I'm Audra. And I'm Sadie. And we are former English lit majors and sisters who miss reading and discussing literature with fellow lit nerds. And we created this podcast to discuss literature fueled by libations. So pick your poison and join us each week to discuss all the queries and views unearthed in great books. And support your local bookstore. Welcome, everybody, to Lit and Libations. Hi, Sadie. Hi, Audra. So we're going to finish up our chat about Something Wicked This Way Comes by Ray Bradbury. Looking forward to it. Unfortunately, might be sometimes a little bit of a one-sided <laughs> conversation because our plan was to, um, today we're going to discuss the uh, part three of the book, uh, finish it up, and then we had all had very great intentions of, of watching the movie, and I am... Not as technologically adept as Sadie. And I couldn't um, figure out how to download the movie illegally or otherwise and was not able to watch it. But Sadie did. Yeah. Uh, I cannot believe how difficult it was to find that movie. Um, I don't understand it. We have Disney. You have a streaming service. Just put it on there. Like, what? what is the reason for not? It's crazy. It's not on any streaming service to rent or buy or anything you have to order the dvd or the vhs and let's just say we did not think about it fast enough to do that i thought it would be easy i just thought i would yeah yeah and i'm really upset because this came right on the tail end of i also was trying to i thought it was a disney movie my favorite movie when i was a kid is called horse in the gray flannel suit and i had told kendrick about it and i said will you watch it with me and he's like yeah and then we went to go pull it up on disney nowhere not an amp like i can't stream it so I'm no. like, I have to order a DVD and it's not even like on like where I could get it within the two days. Like it has to be shipped from, it's going to take forever. So I was really upset about that because yeah. I was so excited to watch this movie with him and watch it again. It's been a long time since I've seen it. And then, then I couldn't get this movie and I'm like, I can't complete the assignment. Like that's difficult <laughs> for me, Sadie. It was really hard to not complete the assignment that, you know, I gave myself. Um, that's okay. So yeah, but it, I, I'm accepting it. I'm learning to live with it. But you watched it, so I'm glad. I want to hear all about it, okay. which is what it we're is here for. It is a little different. Um, there were a lot of things I liked, but it, it was a little different. Uh, yeah, I can't wait to discuss it. But I, can't, I cannot believe how difficult that movie was to find. But I will say, I really enjoyed it, and I think it's like worth the purchase. Like nice. I, I think I might pick it up, actually, because it was a really fun movie to watch this like introducing myself to October. It was very nice. It's kind of like the book in that way. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, so before we get into it, though, just a reminder, the next book we will be discussing for our next episode is Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, the 1818 version. So hurry and go get a copy from your local bookstore so you can read it and get caught up with us. I'm really excited to talk about that book. I haven't read it since college. Um, Again, I think it's a great time of year to read it and very different from what we just read. Um, so yeah, really excited to talk about that. So other than that, I don't think we have any other announcements. I, I do have to announce I am the proud new mom of five new chicks. Our hen just hatched out five. five, This is her third like clutch of eggs. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. Yeah. So they hatched out this morning. They're super cute. She just apparently loves being a a mom. It's really adorable. Did the boys get to see it? Have they, yeah, they be, been able to watch any of them hatch? Yeah, we kept... So, like, the last clutch we had, 
Um, two of them didn't hatch at the same time as the other eggs. So we brought them inside and put them in the incubator. So they would like get to see like they saw them hatching out and stuff. Oh, so, yeah, they've fun. seen it. So it's really exciting. It's it's really cute. I'm That's excited so that we have more chicks. Them. I just I love that you guys are just living Kendrick's dream of <laughs> having birds um, because, you know, I'm sure this isn't entirely true, but we like to joke that Kendrick's like childhood trauma is the fact that my parents would not get him a peacock because um, he just loves birds like I think birds. he like even subscribe subscribed to like a bird magazine at one point where you could like mail order birds and um specifically like pheasants you know like different or pheasants not poultry kind of yeah. birds yeah chickens and it's just really funny so I'm just I love this for him that he gets to have birds and that you guys what's have funny about that I was heard that story about the peacocks and we told it in front of your mom one time and she's like I didn't let you get one and Kendrick's like well I couldn't afford it and she's like oh okay yeah she's that's like I would have let you get a peacock story. yeah so I think that's what really happened because peacocks were really expensive and so that's yeah. more what it was so because your mom's like I would have let him get a peacock so I have learned new information about that story because the longest time that I thought that there was a refusal, but which makes sense because yes. he had guinea hens, which are the most obnoxious, loud bird I've ever heard in my entire yeah. life. That's not true. That's quite hyperbolic, but they're very obnoxious and loud. And so if he was allowed to have guinea hens, I can't imagine why he wouldn't be allowed to have peacocks. Well, so, we, had, like, we had chickens, we had geese, we had ducks, like we had all types of animals at one point. And it really was, I think, mostly because of Kendrick and Steven, because obviously we did not really have those when I You mean was older. those weren't those weren't Megan's dream to have a whole bunch of birds running around? Oh, she didn't just yeah. cuddle with them at night? <laughs> if anyone's confused, my sister Megan <laughs> is just obsessed with animals. She loves them all. Just kidding. <laughs> she actually really despises any animal that touches her or is near her. Um, although I did tell did I you had to have been a part of it at some point I can't remember but yeah she's remember over when it. we do you remember when we lived in Logan and Kendrick and I think Stuart just came home and started building a chicken coop and they just like had purchased chickens and they like didn't I, tell my mom this was pre-Audra yeah this, oh, I I can't figure out the time I know I've been around forever yes. so but yeah. yes you have it's hard to remember life without you actually life before me I know that's yes. how I know I understand that's a problem <laughs> what was life like before me it's just all a blur right I must empty. have been there yeah empty <laughs> empty and bereft yes <laughs> either way he just showed up one yeah. day with chickens and like Shocker. built a chicken coop and my mom's like okay I guess we have chickens now I love your mom. I know. She's so chill. It's okay. amazing how chill she just goes with so much of our like shit, honestly. Yeah, that's so funny. Well, but yeah, so that's so exciting news. Exciting chicken birth announcement. That is exciting about news. that. Yeah. Um, what are you drinking? What's your libation? Um, I, my libation today is a Chardonnay. It's bread and butter, 2017. I it's love very, bread and butter. Bread and butter is really great. Mm -hmm. And I'm usually not a huge Chardonnay fan, but I really liked this one. It's very, very oaky um, and very creamy as well. I 
It's very drinkable. I love it. I'm enjoying it very much. What about you? Nice. I'm drinking um, Red Rock White India Pale Ale White Rainbow. It has a unicorn on it. Um, oh. I got it in some gift basket from like an auction that was all like unicorn related. And this was in it. And you know, it's it's not bad. I'm not a huge Red Rock brewery fan for some reason. Yeah, they don't. Um, I don't think that they have the best beer. No. Mm. I like going there it's, for brunch, but I don't think like they're, they're, they don't blow my socks off. Let's just yeah, say it's OK. It just it's kind of nothing. Does that make sense? Like it's just yes. it tastes like a really cheap beer, but it's not. Well, it's but, like their version of a PBR. Yeah. So and I'd rather just have a PBR. <laughs> yeah. I'd rather just like if I'm going to drink beer flavored water, I'd rather just have, you know, <laughs> PBR or Miller Lite or something. Not like, yeah. you know, something fancy looking. But it, it's fine. It gets the job done. It's been a long day. I'll take it. Like, I'm all for it. Cool. Sometimes that's like all you it. need. Sometimes it's just it's fine. It's it's fine. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it's fine. It's just fine. It's fine. <laughs> the unicorn's cute. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's got a unicorn in the bottle. Like, I'll take it. Whatever. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> oh, God. This is like okay, my sorry. time of week. <laughs> this is my favorite. You guys have listeners. You have no idea how much I like. Do we have listeners? This is, this, is anyone listening to this nonsense? Just laughing. Oh, okay. I got it. I got it under control. It's fun. I like it. Yeah. Okay. So something wicked this way comes. Should we talk about, let's finish, let's wrap up the book. All right. Um, okay. Do you, do you like how it ended? Maybe we should talk about that. You gave us a nice little synopsis last time of parts one through two. Why don't you kind of give us a rundown Mm -hmm. of what happened? How did, how did the book wrap up? I enjoyed it by the way. I really enjoyed it, too. So it all just kind of comes to a head um, at the carnival and goodness wins. And it's it's just it's really interesting. I like how it ends with um, the same kind of themes from when he defeats at least momentarily the dust witch in the library with like laughter and joy. Mm -hmm. That's kind of how Charles and the boys get through um, this end of the book. So, oh my gosh, I'm trying to remember because the book, the movie is different. Oh, it's been a while since I finished, I finished it, but is it, he kills the witch by putting yes. like a smile on the bullet Yes, or something. And that's Let so me find clever. It's part. so good. I'll find it. Um, keep talking. Um, yes. So Charles defeats the witch by putting a smile on a bullet and then shoots her in front of like basically an audience of people that they were trying to kind of entangle. And then, um, there's, I'm trying to remember everything that happens, but there's a point too where they're by the carousel and Jim gets on the carousel and Mr. Dark kind of runs it and, they go back a little bit and luckily he they stop it before he ages too quickly. Um, but the carousel goes off its rails and Mr. Dark is on it and he gets de-aged to being a young boy. But he's still very much, you know, like mentally and psychologically himself. And 
the way that they finally defeat him is Charles Holloway hugs him and basically like that love and attention is the thing that defeats Mr. Dark. Like he can't because he's such a dark kind of creature and being he can't stand to be that close to like love and affection. Yes. And then um, Jim almost dies or like I think he maybe just barely he, dies. And yeah, he's like back. right on the edge of like death. Yeah. And they bring him back with the same kind of thing. They um, will and Charles bring him back with joy and laughter and goodness. And it brings him back from the from the dark. And I just thought it was a really great end to just kind of I think like was a good final the the themes really carried throughout the book I guess is what I'll say and I liked how the evil people are defeated in the book um and it's very very different from the show so in the show Mr. uh Dark dies just by being on the carousel and aging forward until it's it's very like Indiana Jones you know, in the last crusade where he ages really rapidly and then it's all very like CGI and claymation. That's exactly what happens in the, in the movie. Mm-hmm. I found the, I found the section with the bullet. Oh, cool. Um, so it's on page 226, the end of chapter 47. Um, <clears throat> uh, I, I won't do the whole thing cause, but anyway, he, um, towards the end of the page he says above the dying laughter before the warm sound was completely gone he made these words silently with his lips the crescent moon i have marked on the bullet is not a crescent moon it is my own smile i have put my smile on the bullet in the rifle he said it once he waited for her to understand he said it silently again and in the moment before the illustrated man himself translated the mouthings quickly charles holloway cried faintly hold will held his breath Far back among wax statues, Jim hid away, dripped saliva from his chin. Strapped in an electric chair, a dead alive mummy hummed power in its teeth. Mr. Dark's illustrations writhed with, writhed with sick sweat as he clenched his fist a final time. But too late. Serene, Will held breath, held weapon. Serene, his father said, now, and fired the rifle. Um, and then you learn more in the next chapter that, like, she's actually dead. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's just, you know what it kind of made me think of? Um the ending a little bit is especially with uh, Mr. Dark was like in Harry Potter with Voldemort where it's in it's not I think it's book five the order of the phoenix where like Voldemort kind of goes like he kind of possesses Harry and the reason he can't stay the reason he like it's painful for him because Harry starts thinking about his love for Hermione and Ron and and Mm -hmm. Sirius and his mom and dad and you know and love and goodness and friendship and all of those things that he Mm -hmm. that Voldemort can't he can't stomach he can't stand and that's what defeats I mean it's a very simple concept told through since the beginning of time right it's the good versus evil but kind of in how it's illustrated and that very idea of it being painful to be around light and happiness and love and something as simple as a smile you know I mean it, it it just it recalled that for me and I think it's a great message because even if it's not genuine I mean these kids are still scared shitless like yeah you know it doesn't it doesn't mean that they don't have to like they're not scared and it's just that idea of sometimes you have to get through really scary stuff and you can feel all of those emotions you can be scared you cannot know what you're doing but 
if you're able to recall or connect to those kind of emotions, it's, yes, it can defeat Mr. Dark or a witch, but it can also, like in a more literal sense, get you through those times. You know, it's, it's, I tell my kids sometimes, like when they're feeling sad or really upset or scared, it's like, just think of some good things, like think of some good things that make you happy. It doesn't change the situation, Mm -hmm. but it can certainly help change your attitude. And it's usually easy. It's usually easier to get through that hard stuff. And I used to feel like that was kind of a Pollyanna attitude, but it really does act as a sort of power, you know, and Mm -hmm. not in all cases, obviously that's pretty naive to say, but it is helpful to think of those things and that can give you some power. And I love how that's illustrated in stories like Harry Potter and even in this book. Yeah, I totally agree. I liked that as well. And I like too that um, it carries through, I think, with Charles's journey of Mm -hmm. him feeling like pretty inadequate as a father and as a man, as an aging man. and, And ultimately, like the things that, make him the biggest hero at the end is the fact that he is affectionate and loving and also clever. And Mm -hmm. I I just love stories too, where it just gives like a different option or version of like what being a man can look like, you know, and how it's not just all about being physically strong. Yeah. He didn't defeat anyone with his like physical prowess. It was, yeah all mental and affection and love for his son. Like, yeah, Mm -hmm. I agree. And I think that's just, I think that for young boys, especially reading a story like this or watching a movie like this, I just think that that is such a good example of a different kind of strength than what they're seeing from, you know, other media that they're consuming um, of like just what a hero can look like. You know, mm-hmm. because I think Charles is the, is the hero of the story and he's Will's hero and I think he's Jim's hero. And it's just, it's so nice to see that being a hero isn't about just the being able-bodied. It's about who you really are inside. And yeah, I th- think that's important for young kids to learn. And I also, like, I think that that's kind of a unique story to be telling in, you know, 1960s America, when I think, especially back then, and I think it's a problem now too, there's just very kind of strict ideas of like who people are supposed to be in society and like what right, based is. on your, based on like your gender. Yeah. 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 And like what a father is supposed to be like. Yeah. You know, especially in, and I like that this is a story where the father is, very present and um, affectionate and helpful and not just, you know, at the office all day and then like coming home for dinner and going to bed. I don't know. Yeah. And I love how it ends with him. You know, I love like at the end where Charles like just spontaneously starts running with Jim and Will. Right. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that he's, you know, older than them. It doesn't matter it's just a simple pleasure of like, like remember how fun it is to run as a kid, like how exciting it is to be fast and you just want to be fast and you love running. Like, like the other day we were listening to, uh, uh, the kids are really into the sound of music soundtrack right now. That is so cute. Oh dude. It is adorable to listen to them sing do re mi like kills me. 
Um, but we were also listening to the you know favorite things song. So after it was over, I was like, well, what are some of your favorite things? I asked him to like give a top five. And one of the things Callan, my six-year-old, said was running. And I was like, mm-hmm. okay, I certainly would not put running in one, any of my no. top. But like he did. And I remember like as a kid, like that is, it just feels good to run. And I mean, and that, that's the same for a lot of adults, actually. But, you know, just those simple pleasures. And I just love how it ends like that with Charles. And it's just that, you know... It doesn't matter that he's older. It doesn't matter that he feels old or everything. He just has gained this great like pleasure from being with his son and Jim and that simple act of running and just human companionship. And it, it's it's a simple ending and just such a nice one. And I think that Charles is such a good um, character to kind of see all these different, to, to look at all these different things with because you're... yeah. I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with that, but I, I just love, we talked about this last time, how, what a great character he is. And I think he's such a nice counterpoint to Jim and Will, because I think you could dismiss a lot of things with it. Oh, well, you know, they're young, they're kids. And he really gives mm-hmm. this nice counterbalance to that while enjoying the same things that they do, because like that doesn't have to change. Yeah. I love how it ends with him kind of going back to being um, playful. You know, Mm -hmm. because I think, too, like a lot of adults, as you get more like responsibility and um, you get older, so you're like feeling differently physically, um, but also really just the responsibility level of it and the stress and of like having people depend on you. I think a lot of times adults kind of lose that playfulness and that feeling that they can do that. And Mm -hmm. um, I love that that is what he comes back to of yes, he's getting older and sure, maybe he can't do all the things that he did before, but he can still play and laugh and run and be carefree. And, um, that's also like, I think a good lesson for adults to just remember maybe even with everything that's going on in this world, even with everything that they go through in the story, we get through it and then you just have to play and like laugh it off. Like life is there to be enjoyed most of the time. We only get really one chance to have like feelings and to sensory experiences. And it's just good to like let loose and kind of return to your inner child a little bit and just play. Yeah. And have fun for kids too. It's so important to play with your kids Mm -hmm. and for them to like think you're fun too, you know, and for them to like enjoy being around you and playing with you. I think it's an important thing and it's hard to do. It's hard. It's hard to kind of like suspend, uh, the realities of the world sometimes to just play. It is true. And it's, it's important to find the play that works for you. Like everyone's different. Like how I play with the kids is different than how Kendrick plays with them. And like, yeah, yeah, and and it's it's really true. It's I mean I think the other thing that really comes up in the book is like again centering around Charles is he's so focused in the beginning of the book about his age and how much older he is and death and he's so afraid of it and like everything it means and and I think he really learns so much through the book that like you know he's giving you know that I think that's part of where these characters come from is I think in a way it almost comes off like Will and Jim have kind of brought them concocted them right but I think it's a more Charles Mm -hmm. and his fear of death and aging and kind of this 
like depression and and separation he has i think that's what's kind of conjured this carnival and it in a sense gave that gave the characters in the carnival that power you know i mean the things that we're afraid of are what help give power over us and he's the one who really learns that like it's it's what's it's his it's his son it's his life that he has <laughs> that is it matters i mean yeah you're going to die everyone's going to die and unfortunately yeah. we don't know when and it's what you do in the meantime with it and i think charles really learns that and takes that to heart and realizes that his fear i think is is kind of what's been keeping him from that and it just gets personified in these characters like the witch and you know yeah. and and i i think it's a really good it's Sometimes it come it came across as a little sappy to me, depending on what mood I was in while I was reading the yeah, book. Yeah, um, sure. But it's it's no not any less valid. Yeah, I, you know, I I kind of had to. I went into this book thinking it was going to be more of like an adult book. Yeah, kind of like in the same lane as Fahrenheit four fifty one or something. Um, like more mature, I guess in tone and in theme themes but it's but it's okay that it's not like I think that it's a a, I don't know it's like you said it's simple but I think it's simple in the same way that the stories that we tell over and over and over again are simple and it's usually because it drives home a really solid point Mm -hmm. and um I think this book does a really great job at doing that and I also the after finishing it and after watching the movie as well Um, I found like, I think kind of the push and pull between how we feel Charles like yearning for youth, um, throughout the book is really interestingly juxtaposed to by like Jim and how he like wants to get older and especially with like his relationship with his dad, his complicated relationship with this like deadbeat dad that he doesn't really know. Um, and the, the moment where oh his mom's he like acts he asks his mom if he looks like his dad and she says um when you leave home that that will be the moment he'll be dead forever and it's not that he's dead it's just I think that he just left yeah left them um but it's so interesting to see Jim kind of at this point in his uh growing up you know that he wants to be older and he's I think also he seems to be like maybe slightly more mature and interested in that than Will. And I think that's also a really interesting thing to look at when you're thinking of like kids going through puberty and going Mm -hmm. through all these physiological changes and um, their interests are changing and how different people kind of approach that point in life differently. And it can lead to uh, conflict a little bit. And I think we see that here with Will and Jim in this book. And I find, I found that to be like a really interesting dynamic when comparing with, uh, the dad and how they're all kind of just like yearning for what the other person has in, in a certain way. I agree. Well, speaking of, so, so tell me about the movie. So what, what did you like about it? What did you not like about it? So it was, I loved the soundtrack and, um, visually I think it just really did a great job of like the scenery and the town and the way it's built up just really, really gets it. I think the exact vibe that he's going for Mm -hmm. just in a, in a more uh, concise way. 
efficient way because it's visually. Um, the acting is great. Jonathan Price is in it. He plays Mr. Dark. He was fantastic. And then the actor who plays the dad um, was amazing. It's Jason, Jason Robards. Mm-hmm. And he's in, he's, he's a fantastic actor. He's received a lot of different accolades. Um, if you saw him, you would know exactly who I'm talking about. He did a fantastic job in this movie. Um, he made me really emotional, actually. I think he just presented Charles as a character so well. Yeah. Um, he looks older than I would have pictured a 54 year old to be, but that's, I think 54 year olds look differently back then. Yeah. Um, and he was around that age at the time, but you know, he's like fully white haired, um, older man. Um, great acting really among all of it, but they did make some interesting choices like, uh, Jim and Will were aged down. So instead of being on kind of like cusp of puberty, yeah. Yeah, they were aged down to 12. And there, I think that there's a big difference between 12 and 14. Mm-hmm. Um, but I under, I think I understand kind of why they did it. They just wanted it to be more like a kid's show. Um, yeah, makes and, sense. And, and like there were some obvious things that were changed, I think, like budget wise. Like the whole scene uh, with the hot air balloon and the dust witch and like the bow and arrow scene where he and like the slug um, slime that, that they use to mark the house, you know, like none of that stuff could have been done in 1980s Disney budget. Yeah. You've got to like, remember when it was made. Yeah. 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 But I think that that's fine. And then they did change things at the end. I think just because they thought it would be more visually interesting. So at the end it's Mr. Is it Togan? It's the lightning guy. Yeah. What? Mm, now it's gonna bug me. I can't remember his name for the life of me, but he—he's the one who defeats the witch at the oh. end. They like kind of work together, but he ends up like basically impaling her. And I wonder why they made those kind of changes. Probably it probably just seemed more dramatic. Yeah, and then with Mister Dark, he does. Everything kind of happens the same way, but then instead of aging um, down, he ages up. And it is very much like the Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, where you're watching um, a claymation version of that happen until he's basically dust. And yeah, I mean, visually, I think that makes sense, but I think it kind of like gets away from the the point a little bit like it wasn't as emotionally affecting as it was visually affecting Uh, I'm trying to think what else was different Um, with Miss Foley she's aged down but she's not aged down to like a little kid's age she's aged Hmm. to they change her story a little bit where they say that she was like the most beautiful woman in town when she was in her twenties. And so she's aged down only to her twenties, but then they take away her sight. So she can't like look at herself Mm. until she does work with them. And then, uh, they just like added some characters here and there and showed the different ways that the carnival 
uh, kind of took them in kind of like the, you know, the whole thing with Mr. Cougar, how they aged him down and then kind of utilized him, uh, to manipulate the boys or Miss Foley. Uh, they do that, but with like a lot of different characters and, um, what else was different? I think that, oh, they, they added a weird flashback scene where Will and everybody, like they're at a local lake and they go swimming Mm -hmm. and Will starts to drown, but Charles is too scared or like is unfit or like can't swim or something. So he just can't, he can't save his son. So Jim's dad does it. And this is like right before Jim's dad, like leaves interesting see and that's what i don't, i'm not one of those it's like oh the book's always better than the movie like it depends on the book let's be honest but like mm-hmm. but i feel like that's a little heavy-handed like i don't think you really yeah. need that to to give a good illustration of their relationship and i feel like it even doesn't even accurately describe their relationship that they have in the book so that's kind of no. i don't think i would like that yeah i didn't like it um but I think like the actors really did a great, great job. Um, Jonathan Price was awesome as yeah. Mr. Dark. He was really great and he was so young. It was so kind of bizarre seeing him in a movie so young. And I don't know if it is a wig that they are using, but his hair is fantastic. Huh. Yeah, because I've never seen him in a movie. Like, I mean, the last thing I saw him in was Game of Thrones. Um, yeah, he's I, a little bit more attractive so as Mr. Dark. Yeah, I can't think of him as a... Let's see if I can pull up a picture. I, I don't know if it's a wig, but his hair was looking pretty good. It was very, I mean, oh, very 1980s. Goodness. But like he looks pretty I handsome. Bet, I bet that's his real hair. I hope I, so. I bet. I mean, I, I just want to run my hands yeah. through it. It looks like a great head of hair. I'm jealous. It's thicker than mine. That's for sure. I'm I'm not a fan. Like I don't I don't love super long hair. I mean, that's not super On long. Men? But like, yeah. I mean, it just depends. But like, like okay. Remember when Legends of the Fall? Well, okay. That came oh, out I remember. I don't remember when it came out, but I've seen. But the like, movie. I I I'm not. I can't do it. The Brad Pitt with long, like it took him down quite a few degrees in attractiveness fair, fair. for me. Like, so I'm just not a, yeah. yeah. I mean, interesting. Well, but I yeah, I mean, he's don't want to be looks, with a man that's prettier than me. And so if, if my boyfriend has better hair than me, uh, that's a big no, no, <laughs> but I'll enjoy from afar. Oh, that's funny. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. I, I think I just know what a pain in the butt, having long hair is too. And I feel like we don't need two of us getting hair shedding all over the house and like taking Fair. forever to dry our hair. Like, you know, I feel like one of us can mm-hmm. deal with that, but what do I know? Fair enough. That's, fair enough. Well, do you know, Brian had hair like that in high school. He had bullshit. like really long. No, no. I'll send you a picture. He had really long hair his senior year of high school and it really long. Like you should see his graduation photo. It's like to here. Did he also um, wear flannel? Brian was a metalhead. Oh, oh, this explains so much. I know, right? But I think still, for the most part, if he wasn't wearing iron, like Iron Maiden t-shirts, um, it would just be a solid white tee like he still wears now. 
So his style hasn't changed a ton. Um, but no, Brian was like a long hair metalhead his senior year of high school. Wow. I hope he's okay with you telling me because this could, this will be used against him. Or against not against him. him. Not For against him. him. This, it's way yes. cooler. Yeah. Yeah. This, 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 this <laughs> I'm happy to learn this facet of Brian. That's it. That's awesome. Yeah. Apparently him and his friends. So he has two really good friends that he's, he's still really good friends with them and he's been friends with them since like eighth grade on. Um, they still both have really long metal head hair and Brian's like the only one who looks like he like has a job in an office and it's just really funny to me. <laughs> um, but yeah, they still all have that look. It's pretty cute. It's pretty funny. Um, apparently they were all, I'm going to laugh so hard if this is like one of the only episodes he listens to. Um, because <laughs> this is the one I'm talking about in the most. Uh, okay, so he doesn't listen either. He doesn't listen every time. No, he, he so Brian's thing is like, oh, if I'm just if I'm just sitting at my desk, I don't listen to podcasts. But like, if I were driving alone a long distance, I would listen. I'm like, well, you don't do that. So I think Brian's probably listened to all of three episodes. Um, but he barely knows how to read, so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. We're mean. That's really, Hey, they're the ones not listening to our podcast. I think we can talk about it. Well, I know. Well, and I, I was reading Frankenstein, like, last week or whatever, and Kendrick's like, oh, you're, like, I've been wanting to read that. I'm like, well, we're doing it for the next podcast. Like, you should read it and listen. He's like, oh, yeah, maybe I will. Has he picked up a book? No. He has not. You know what? I'm not convinced Kendrick knows how to read anything other than like Brandon Sanderson. <laughs> he, you know what? He just does a lot of like nonfiction. Like, yeah, he reads a ton. It's just a lot of nonfiction. So, which is fair, you know. which is fair. I have a lot of friends actually who some of the smartest people I know and they cannot tell me when the last time was that they picked up a fiction yeah. book. And it's hard for me to understand sometimes, like I, th like why people kind of have that uh, the like predilection barrier. or like yeah, there's a barrier for sure. Because it's it's so it's just very weird to me that people can like spend so much time watching fictional TV shows and like right. they find that worth their while, but like fictional books for them, it's just like what's the point? It just blows my mind. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and I love both fiction and nonfiction, but I, I have to get my Same. fiction in. I mean, it yeah. gives me life. It makes me a better human. I mean, obviously, we started a damn podcast about it, so. Yeah. Do you think we should ever do nonfiction sometime? Yeah. We'll have to talk about that. We should. If you were listening to this podcast and if you have any suggestions of nonfiction books that you would like us to cover then you should let us know because we would love to do something like that, I think. Yeah, that's something to keep on the on the mind. Um, well, anything else that you're reading or watching? Oh, my gosh. I've been watching Squid Games. Okay, I saw you post about this. What the hell is Squid Games? Okay, Audra. It's emotional manipulation is what it is. No, well, it, it is a wonderful, it's a wonderful show. It's a Korean drama. Um, it it's is like a Hunger English Games is what I heard. Yeah, I mean, it's a bunch of people, but it's 
but it's more like they're playing it's they're playing games to the death so it's this really incredible look at how people have been kind of victimized in certain ways by like capitalism and how the system that we live in that is like governed by money kind of puts people who otherwise might be very good people in really precarious situations where um, their family's at risk, their lives are at risk, they don't have a living, they you know can't be with their kids, uh, etc. And so what it does is like these people are playing these these people. This organization goes and finds these people that they know owe a lot of money to someone, or they have a really good reason for needing money, and they tell them all you have to do is come to this place play some kid games, like games you played as a kid. And if you win um, a certain number of games, you'll get a ton of money. And they tell them the amount. It's like over a billion uh, yen or won. I can't remember which one is the Korean money. But this is fictional. Yes, this is fictional. And so they go and they think, oh, we're just going to go and play some games. And what they do is they sign a piece of paper that says, oh, if you lose, you can't stop playing. You can't bail. Um, if you lose, you're eliminated. And nobody takes that as in like from life. Literally eliminated. Yeah. Yeah. So the first game that they play is red light, green light. And if they move by this like motion sensor, we'll pick them out. If they move when they sh- shouldn't move, they literally get shot. And so they are all playing to the death and it's just they get an opportunity to leave, but then they come back and it's just really heart wrenching um, to see these characters kind of like put in these situations. And it's, it's just it's very intense. It's very, very intense. And the character growth is incredible. Like you just become very attached to these characters and it kind of plays on your assumptions of people of like at first you think everybody's just kind of doing it for the money and they're like being greedy. But a lot of them have real reasons to risk their lives basically Mm -hmm. to do this. And um, it's just it's so good, but it is really gratuitously violent um, so if you're squeamish, I would not recommend. Um, but it's it's really, really good television. And I think it is an interesting commentary on the kind of like world and society that we live in, um, especially considering the fact that it is a South Korean drama and South Korea is always considered, you know, it's always being compared to North Korea. Yeah. And some of the characters in the show are North Korean and they're mm. like basically refugees. And a lot of the times, you know, they're like, I thought it would be better. Like, I thought it was going to be better. And it's just not. It's just a different game of kind of same same risks and same kind of like moral dilemmas that people are being put into. It's a very like psychological, philosophical show. But also like very, very violent. I think you guys would really like it. I think Kendrick would really like it. You should watch it. I'll give it a shot. To be honest, like I have a hard time with like super 
gratuitous violence and fair. I'll, I'll give it a shot. It doesn't sound up my wheelhouse as so far. Like, I, I don't know. I try and like detach a little bit from that. Like when I watch it, TV or movies for the most part, I want more escapism and less facing reality, which maybe isn't the best way to go. But no, I mean, that's fair, though. I mean, I will say like this, this show has been kind of difficult to watch. Yeah. I really love it. But I, I, I like shows where I can watch multiple episodes in a row. You know, I can yeah. kind of binge watch it and not feel like wrecked at the end. But this one, I've only really been able to watch one episode at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially this last episode that I watched, it just was really gutting. And I cried for 20 minutes. After the episode was over. And I mean, I'm a baby, so I cry very easily in shows in general, in movies, in books. I cry very easily. But this one, it got me sobbing. Brian shed a tear. I've seen him maybe do that twice in five years. Wow. Uh Uh-huh. I know. Yeah. It's it's really good, but it is it is gutting. We'll see where it goes. I still have three episodes left. I will let you know if the ending is... is if there's like, any redeeming. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like, okay. or if you're just going to end up like depressed at the end, I'll let you know. Um, okay. But so far, it's really good. What about you? Have you been watching anything or have you seen anything recently? Um, I did see on the plane this weekend. I loved it. It's called um, A French Exit and it's with Ooh. Michelle Pfeiffer. And I love Michelle Pfeiffer. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of a dark comedy. She's like in her 60s, New York socialite, has a son who's now an adult when the movie takes place. Um, her husband died and she has now kind of, she's become insolvent. She's run through all her money. She has no money left. So she has to sell their lovely New York apartment and all of her things. Takes all the money in euros. Her friend has a apartment in Paris that she tells her go move you can live there for you know a year however long figure out things so she packs up herself and her son and their cat whose name is Frank and they take a ship to Paris so they take like a I don't even know they still did that but like they came in too like the the yeah like um yeah yeah I understand like the it's not a what is the fucking word It's not a cruise, but it's kind of a cruise ship. Yeah. It's like a cruise liner to Paris. Yeah. And, and then they live in Paris and her kind of plan is once the money runs out, she's going to kill herself. Um, and, and it's just, but it's, it's really good. The thing with the cat, I won't give it away is funny and interesting. There's just other really good characters in it. I really, really liked it. And I love Michelle oh, wow. Pfeiffer and she's just stunning she's, in this. I think she's beautiful she's and she is so like just such a good actress. And in this movie, I think I don't think she gets enough um, props, but like it's really good. I recommend it. It is not gut wrenching. OK, <laughs> it's just it's just a nice that might be a nice little palate cleanser. Like I'll need one. I'll need one. Yeah. Honestly, it's so on stars. That it's like the stars network, I think. Um, okay. but yeah, so I'm sure you can find it. If you could find something wicked this way comes and download it, you can figure this one out. No problem. Okay. <laughs> but that's it. That's all I really had time for. I'm kind of, yeah, but I'm really excited to talk about Frankenstein. I've been reading. Yeah, that's all too. I've been able to read lately. I've just been having that. I usually have a couple going at a time, but it's been a little crazy. So that's, that's it. That's all I've been focusing on. 
yeah, it's going to be fun. I'm excited. Um, do you have any plans for Halloween? What are you guys doing? Um, we're going to do a, <clears throat> we have a show at our barn where we do like kind of fun classes, like spoon fun. and egg race, you know, on your horse and things like that. So that'll be on the 30th. And then, and like you can dress up and we do like trick or treating at the stalls and stuff. And then that's it for really the 30th and the 31st, um, you know, our sister Lara, her yeah iris is turning one so we're gonna do a little birthday party for her on the 31st and that's i don't even know if i'm gonna take the kids trick-or-treating it's kind of weird this year yeah and you know what all they really care about is if they get candy yeah so if they just well, get candy i think they'll be fine i think if they have like a place to dress up yeah because like and they get to dress up like costumes school. they do a whole thing at school yeah. and they can wear it yeah so it'll be and they're being lachlan's being harry potter Cute. And Callan is being Obi-Wan Kenobi. Oh, I'm excited to see that costume. That's going to be cute. Yeah, Are you dressing know. up? You know, um, I don't know if I will or not. I have like a like a cat suit skeleton costume that I was just going to wear for our horse show because it's easy. But I yeah. don't know about anything else. I don't, I don't know. I mean, nice. I like dressing up. It should be fun. What about you? Um little out there but I think I'm gonna be try to be <laughs> Eric Draven <laughs> from the crew oh my god you kill me you know what <laughs> G- go for it and send me a picture I will so but I mean like it's kind of a cute costume like it's kind of sexy it's like leather pants yeah. it's a black shirt with like a taped corset and okay. then I you dye my hair I like I just kind of use hair paint or whatever to like right. make my hair look wet and black and yeah. then I do clown makeup and I got a costume I think it like looks pretty good it's yeah. pretty fun about, and I get to be Brian? Eric Draven up? what does Brian dress oh. up Brian does like to dress up I am trying to convince him to be a crow so like he can be <gasps> the crow and I'll be Eric Draven okay all right that's good I like it I'm trying to, I don't know if it'll happen, Audra. It's hard did to you ever brain to do anything other than makeup for Halloween, but I'm going to try. Did you ever watch Schitt's Creek? Yes. Okay, so remember how she's like a crow in one of the last seasons? Like she works in that, yes. where she does that movie. The croning. And she, yeah. <laughs> so there you go. Did like it? it easy enough. Yeah. <laughs> oh, good times. Well, I think this was a great pick, Sadie, and a good way to start thank, off the season. Thank and you. I am it put you know, me in the mood for fall. Yeah, that's for sure. And definitely going a different direction with Frankenstein, but really good. And you know, there's just something about that good classic literature. It's nice to yeah. sink your teeth into. So I hope you all go pick up a copy from your local bookstore, the 1818 version. Very important. Um, and hurry and get caught up. We'll be discussing. I don't know how far we'll be reading in it. I haven't decided yet, so we'll have to put that up on Instagram or something. But um, go pick up your copy and get reading. For sure. All right. Well, thanks, everybody. Talk to you next time. Bye.